Levite street people in first century Judea. Without warning, an angel appeared before them. On hands and feet, they backed away, shielding eyes against the light. But the angel said, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God. This Christmas time, we also celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus, 2,000 years ago. All those years have passed, but Christians around the world continue to be captivated by the same message of good news. To you is born this day a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. But you know, Christmas 2020 is like no other in living memory. For us, like the shepherds, it is a kind of night. Darkness has crept over the world. A global pandemic has taken hold of countries and continents. Whole nations are in lockdown. Jobs have gone with widespread hardship. Health systems are overwhelmed. People are suffering and dying alone. Certainly this is a Christmas like no other. There are other dimensions to the darkness. Nationalism is on the rise. Some countries are behaving badly, strutting, pushing, cheating. Different kinds of wars are being fought, trade wars, economic wars, cyber wars, and a new arms race. The world has entered an unstable time. The environmental crisis is another dimension of the darkness of the world. But you know, into this darkness, into our darkness, the angel's message comes down through the years. To you is born this day a saviour who is the Messiah, the Lord. Can we entertain the possibility that Jesus Christ is indeed the saviour and Lord? Can we entertain the possibility that Jesus can indeed save us in our time of need? Well, first of all, let's get our thinking straight about what we mean by saviour. The Christian idea of saviour is not someone who swoops into human life from time to time, making a splash, fixing a disaster, and then going back into heaven. Because you often hear people talk as if God is normally absent, but from time to time, if we pray in the right way, God will perform a miracle and then disappear again. The other thing I don't mean by saviour is a God who is only interested in giving me warm, private feelings of comfort and well-being, as if God was mainly interested in my individual happiness. Neither of these conceptions of saviour is helpful. So what does it mean that the babe born in Bethlehem is our saviour? Well, the answer lies in what the shepherds saw when they followed the command of the angel to go and see this thing that has taken place. They hurried to Bethlehem and saw Mary, Joseph, and the child, Jesus, lying in a manger. They beheld a saviour who was humble, born in poverty and simplicity, bound in swaddling clothes, in a dusty outpost of the Roman Empire, and would soon be on the run as a fugitive from Herod. This is the saviour. Is there a doctor in the house? Okay. Perhaps we just pause for a moment 
and uh, offer our prayers for the gentleman. Dear Lord, we offer our prayers for the gentleman um, who's had a kind of turn and ask that your healing blessing would be upon him to help him um, and bless him and regain his full health, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So where were we? It's uh, basically not what you'd expect this idea of a saviour being born into such humble circumstances. It's strange, and it doesn't appear at first glance to be a master stroke. Uh, we would have done it differently, uh, with at least a little bit of pomp and conspicuous power. Of course, Caesar Augustus has already been named in Luke's account right at the beginning of the chapter. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. Augustus knew all about conspicuous displays of power. He knew how to rule. That was what the census was all about. And he was also the self-styled saviour of the world, following the Battle of Actium, bringing peace to Rome, which had been in such turmoil. The Senate had also conferred on him the title Son of God, uh, given that his adopted father Julius Caesar had been deified following his assassination. But what Luke is really trying to do is to draw a comparison between the way the world works with brute force and the way God chose to present himself as a newborn child in poverty, simplicity, and humility. So Christmas is not a sentimental tale about Mary and Joseph having a baby in a stable among well-behaved animals. It's not, as poet John Betjeman put it, tissued fripperies and sweet and silly Christmas things, much as we like those things at Christmas to an extent, but it's not the main thing. No, it's about the way God chose to enter into his creation personally by becoming a human being, by taking on human flesh and becoming one with us. So the narrative of the birth of Jesus is opposed to the prevailing narrative in first century Judea. It's a subversive narrative. It's strange. It's not what you'd expect. The narrative is saying that the true saviour of the world and son of God is not Caesar with his legions and palaces. The true saviour is this babe in the straw. And this is not about God swooping in to fix things and then disappearing. This is about God entering into our human experience deeply, fully, and permanently. God comes into his creation to put right the wrong, to heal our wounds and the brokenness of the whole human race. So let's get back to the shepherds whose quiet evening was rudely disturbed. The shepherds, of course, were at the bottom of the heap, socially, financially, for them, the thought of a saviour who would rescue Israel from misery um, was very much good news of great joy. But how was that to work itself out? As we read in Luke's gospel, we find that the adult Jesus wasn't the sort of king who leads his army from the front, dispatches his enemies, and establishes a new kind of tyranny. Jesus spoke of his kingdom coming like seeds 
growing secretly, like a shepherd going to look for the lost sheep, like the vineyard worker letting out the vineyard to tenants and coming back to collect the fruit. The kingdom was indeed coming, but it didn't look like people thought it would. Yet Luke, in telling the story of the shepherds, clearly believes that it is indeed good news for the world in which emperors think they run the show, but in fact God does. So the angels appear to the shepherds at night in the gathering darkness, and within their world of emperors and legions and being at the bottom of the heap, they heard a message of good news. It was subversive and it rocked their world. Celebrated historian and author Tom Holland in his new book, Dominion, it's a great read, uh, very interesting and well-written, described the whole event of Jesus Christ, his birth, death, and resurrection as nothing less than a moral earthquake that went off in the first century. And it eventually shook everyone from shepherds all the way to the emperor himself. Holland said, and I quote, to be a Christian is to believe that God became man and suffered a death as terrible as any mortal has ever suffered. This is why the cross, that ancient implement of torture, remains what it has always been, the fitting symbol of the Christian revolution. It is the audacity of it, the audacity of finding in a twisted and defeated corpse the glory of the creator of the universe that serves to explain more surely than anything else the sheer strangeness of Christianity and of the civilization to which it gave birth. Today, the power of this strangeness remains as alive as it has ever been. It is manifest in the great surge of conversions that has swept Africa and Asia over the past century, in the conviction of millions upon millions that the breath of the Spirit, like a living fire, still blows upon the world, and in Europe and North America, in the assumptions of many more millions that would never think to describe themselves as Christian, all are heirs to the same revolution, a revolution that has at its molten heart the image of a God dead on a cross. I close the quote there, just in case you thought I'd sort of morphed into my own stuff. That was all Holland. He is not, as I understand it, a Christian believer himself, but he has the insight to acknowledge the reality of history as, as it has come down to us through our Lord Jesus Christ and his birth. So, we live in strange times. The darkness of the world today is palpable. But just as God came into a dark world in first century Judea, he also comes as a light into our darkness as well. Jesus Christ is our saviour, but not in a sentimental or trivial way but in a deeply subversive way. Jesus Christ, as a light in the midst of the darkness, came to us. He came to heal our brokenness. He came to work at a deep level. He came to reverse evil at its root. And he did this by coming into his creation as a babe in the straw. And so we celebrate because today is born this day a saviour who is the Messiah the Lord. So today, will you follow the shepherds to Bethlehem, 
to see this thing that has taken place. Amen.